welcome to a special edition of BZ Listening. I'm your host, BZ Douglas, and every Monday on this podcast, I feature interviews with grassroots musicians, but uh, I always am throwing in special things into the mix randomly. So today, my guests are Amanda Nix. She's a painter, a teacher, and incredible installation artist. And uh, along with her is former guest of the show, musician Michael McFarland. I am such a huge fan of the work that Amanda and Michael do in the Cleveland area, especially their work with the McFarland Manor shows, um, bringing the community together. So uh, I wanted to have them on to help spread the word about their new project for Ingenuity Cleveland entitled Zen Soundscapes. In our chat, we go over the purpose of Ingenuity Cleveland and how getting involved with that space took Amanda and Michael in new directions as artists. Amanda goes pretty deep on the history and purpose of Zen Gardens, and Michael explains how their project will be taking the traditional Zen garden and enhancing it with technology. Uh, Most importantly, the reason I recorded and am releasing this Today is to help Amanda and Michael spread the word about their fundraiser for this project. So all donations made before August 1st will be 100% matched by the Cuyahoga Arts and Culture Match Fund. And that's through a partnership with a new crowdfunding platform I hadn't heard of before called IOBI, which worked uh, directly with Michael and Amanda to secure these matching funds. And uh, they, they talk a bit about it. it in the episode, but I wanted to make sure I mentioned at the top um, that you can donate to this, but uh, make sure you get your donations in before August 1st so that they can uh, be doubled down upon. To donate, you can head over to iob.org, that's iob.org, and if you search for Zen Soundscapes, it'll come right up. You can see everything about the project. Or you can always head over to bzdug.com slash podcast, that's B-Z-D-U-G, and I will have links up to all the things that you need to show your support and share everything about this really cool project. Uh, I think that's about it. Let's get on with the show. Thank you so much for listening. What, what I, I've been thinking about, like, well, if I got support, it would go into equipment for the show. Yep. Um, which would allow me to cover, like, more, like, I want to do more, like, live things, like the Manifest mm-hmm. stuff, and get better at, like, oh, how do you really record well at a live event? Right. Um, and that would include, like, going to, you know, like, a protest or something like that, or a live action and things. So there are probably a lot more of those coming up. I, I would imagine so. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so... Um, but this isn't about me raising funds. This is about <laughs> you guys raising funds. So I am, I'll do an intro for this, but just to reiterate, I'm sitting here with uh, Michael Far- McFarland, former guest of the show, and Amanda Nix, your better half and allies <laughs> in the, your better halves, both of you, right? I think you compliment yes. each other well. Um, you know, if you're polyamorous or whatever, I'm sorry to box you in. <laughs> but uh, I see you guys together all the time, and you, you're, you're making great stuff we, together. We spend a lot of time together. You just yeah. went, got back from Europe for yeah. a couple yeah. weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ten days in Europe, and we didn't kill each other, so that's, that seems like a good sign. That's Probably. Good, hopefully. Yeah. One would think. Um, and you are two of, 
uh, what four other producers at McFarland Manor. How mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. So that's how uh, I know you. And then you recently were sharing about a project you have coming up, and I thought it was really interesting. I wanted to support it uh, with Ingenuity. Mm-hmm. That's. Uh, do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Because I've attended events there, and it's really cool, but I don't think I ever got the, like, what am I in, this giant place? Well, Ingenuity Cleveland is an arts and innovation collaborative that's actually here in Cleveland. They finally have a permanent home now on the near east side. That's at uh, 55th and St. Clair. Uh, It's the Hamilton Collaborative, and they're just doing giant, large-scale events to incorporate art and music and new media and creativity in just every different kind of capacity through large events like Bright Winter, which is the music festival in February. Um, Ingenuity is in charge of all the artwork for that, uh, partnering with the Bright Winter crew. They do a fundraiser called the the, um, the Ingenuity Ball, which is themed every year differently depending on the theme of their biggest event, which is the one that we are working on a big project for now. And that um, event is called Ingenuity Fest. And this year's theme is Dreamscapes. So we just did the Dreamers Ball uh, to raise funds for that. It was the biggest year, I believe, in attendance for the the ball, which means we got lots of great support from the community and are building things bigger and better every year. So in between these giant events, yeah, I see all these little baked-in spaces Mm -hmm. with, like, giant gallery windows. Are those – are they, like, permanent shops or often, like, work – uh, people are just working in them. Like, what's going on in between all these events? So the big space, um, the big warehouse, there's one main room. It's about 40,000 square feet mm-hmm. um, that we use pretty regularly. Every Thursday, there is a group called the Engineers that meets to build whatever it is we're building as a group or to work on other projects. And um, really, anyone can show up to that. If yes. you want to like show up for one day and you know help toss some paint on some things or or whatever to you know to just be part of the community and help build some stuff. Um, there are always people there that are working on projects either for oh. the festival or for this or that. I want to find uh, a date. So you said Wednesdays? Uh, Thursdays. 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 Yep. Every Thursday, uh, 6 to 10 is the official time. We There's usually free have food, food, too. <laughs> um, we usually have a lot going on. People show up whenever they can. So if I say 6 to 10 and you can't make it till 7, come at 7. We got plenty to do. Uh, and just because we say it ends at 10 doesn't mean we're not going to leave at 4 a.m. <laughs> um, <laughs> may or may not have happened a few times. There, uh, pretty frequently, we are just we get so into what we're working on, and the people that stick around just end up knocking a bunch of stuff out, and suddenly it's 2 a.m., and we had a blast, and we made something crazy. Yeah, so. there's a weird time warp that happens in the Hamilton Collaborative Building that, like, you know, it's like 11.30, and if you say after 11.30, all of a sudden it's 4 in the morning, and you're not sure how it got then. So one of the things that's uh, that's really cool about being part of the the ingenuity community is the range of skills that different people have there. Like we've got everything from uh, from welders to engineers to people that are really phenomenal painters um, and builders, and we've got uh, the entire Cleveland uh, makers. Um, the Makers Alliance is based out of the Hamilton Collaborative Space. They're one of the pods that's in there. Um, so people that are working a lot with Arduino and robotics stuff and, and all kinds of yeah, like all kinds of cool uh, software integrations into, uh, into art. So it's this really cool meeting of um, you know, more classical art forms 
and this new technology and new media with people that are working with projection mapping and uh, um, and cool stuff with lights and all, all sorts of things like that. So Not to mention musicians. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, so it, se- it sounds very appealing as far as if you want to just be around things that would inspire you to go in completely different directions. Has mm-hmm. that affected you as artists, being a part of that and put you on paths you, you didn't anticipate going with? Absolutely, it's kind of taken over our lives <laughs> um, in, probably, in a, in a in the good best way, possible way. Um, you know, for my for myself as a as a visual artist, and I've done a lot of different kinds of visual art, be it you know crocheting or yarn arts or things like that, or you know painting or fluid acrylics, things like that. Um, I've done a lot of the traditional crafting and art styles. Uh, but I had never really thought um, of myself as an installation artist until we showed up at Ingenuity and just kind of walked in and started arting everywhere. <laughs> we arted all over the um, place, and they were like, cool. <laughs> they, they enjoyed it, and so did we. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm thinking in large scale, and I'm, I, can't, I can't stop thinking in large scale, actually. Uh, and I've got notebooks and whiteboards full of just big interactive alternative ideas in a way that I, you know, even though I I studied art history uh, and have long been around all kinds of different art forms, it wasn't really something I thought of as a, as a doable art form, this installation art until I walked into there. But the moment I walked in, I knew I was at home and just learning all these different ways to take the little skills I have to make them huge has been pretty cool. And uh, and for me, I um, I had my background academically was in graphic design and specifically in uh, three dimensional and experiential design. Uh, but since finishing with school, that's mostly meant like designing some signage and wayfinding systems and things like that. Um, and uh, it's been really cool being able to take that background in you know designing three-dimensional things that that are meant to be experienced in the in the built space um and approaching that from uh, an artistic and a a truly experiential uh, standpoint and then mixing in the audio engineering background and the you know the music and all of the other different things that i've pursued over the course of my life and finding that all of this can kind of be fused together in these these big projects that uh, uh, that can really be impactful for people. And for those of you not in the know, Michael McFarland is a musician, and he's a great one. And we spent <laughs> Thank you. way too long talking about <laughs> your life and background in music. But it's a it's a. I mean, people don't know how long we talked, but. The episode we did oh, was long, and it's good. <laughs> Some of us she knows. Know. She knows. She <laughs> was texting to make sure night, he wondering when get... I was going to get my Taco Bell delivered. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the reason I wanted to have you on so quick is because I saw on Facebook you announced that you have this new project, this Zen Garden mm-hmm. installation. It's called Zen Soundscapes. Zen Soundscapes, yes. And it's um, a project that is intended for the Ingenuity Fest at the end of September. That's September 27, 28, 29, I believe this year. Yep. Um, and we are going to hopefully be able to build it um, strong enough that it has the life outside and beyond that particular event. It's hopefully something that with the proper investment can have a pretty long lifespan. Um, but it's a, it's an interactive multimedia, um, and multi-sensory experience 
that um, we came up with at what four in the morning. Yep, on, on the way, way back, back from St. Louis, Louis Wizard yep. World. Um, but we just it, wait, it, wait. You 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 put two words together <laughs> real fast and just kept moving on. Wizard World. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Wizard World Comic Con series. They're the largest traveling Comic Con uh, company in the country, and we perform with them. Yep. Oh. So, um, so yeah, for about the last year, we've been regular performers on the Wizard World stage um, and exhibitors in the Artist Alley at Wizard World. And so we've been everywhere from Austin, Texas to St. Louis to we're in Columbus and Cleveland Madison, and Madison, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. What are um, you performing? Uh, so I'm playing my music, and she does uh, live art on stage. Uh, usually, it's alcohol inks projected, like done on an overhead projector. So oh, I love that it's synchronized to uh, to the music. So she creates one piece of art for each song that I I've play. I've seen so many different types of live artists. There's a, a band I loved. Um, they were just a drum and bass duo called Commandante Zero, and they had an <laughs> artist called Ohio Mike in New York. And he would just, he would create these doodle scenes. So it would just start out like a, buildings were getting drawn. And then there'd be streets. And then a person in the background and in the foreground. And, and, it, and it would be some story that related to the song. Nice. And every take I've seen on like live art that works with the music. It's always been really cool to see. And it's, um, it's, it's fun for me seeing what happens uh, at the end of each song. Because like, she's usually to my left and a little bit behind me. Because it's projected so that the audience can see it. So for the most part, I'm not really getting to, to see what she's doing. Um, until I you know finish playing a song. And I I look behind me and there's this, you know, beautiful piece of art that's projected up on the screen. Um, now, do you do one kind of art medium or do you just like, because uh, he was saying his one friend did doodles of a certain type. I've seen it before. There was a band I used to go see and they would do kind of like watercolor swirls and it was all, but it was, they were all different for each song, but they were all kind of the same thing do you do the so same thing I'm or doing, do you mix it up when i'm doing the alcohol inks it's the same thing um it's kind of a big setup to to do it all uh but it's it's one of those things that even though i'm using the same medium it can be played with very differently so a lot of the mm -hmm. experiences in watching it can draw you in very differently either um so it's so alcohol inks are based with um an alcoholic base with dye in it um then you manipulate them with um, like rubbing alcohol or another kind of alcohol-based solution. So I could do a totally super covered in alcohol um, starting thing and drip them in and it's, it's just swirling on its own. Or I could do it very dry and be like blowing it out as it's hitting so it's drying very thin. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to manipulate it that create a different sensation and a different final product uh, as far as the look and the feel of it. Uh, but it is all the same media when I do that one. I have also done traditional live painting on stage at some of these things. Uh, I think Jason Momoa watched me paint it <laughs> in Madison. That was pretty cool. Um, Whoa. Yeah. I, uh, I got a thumbs up from uh, from Ray Park, who played Darth Maul when, uh, when I was hey. performing at Odom. That, that was pretty cool. And we're on a first-name basis with Kato Kalin. With Kato Kalin, who emcees <laughs> all of the events. So. It's the coolest thing to walk into a new city that we, we haven't done. We're like, hey, Kato, how's it going, man? Kato's like, what's up, crazy. guys? <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, we got off on a tangent on you, Wizard World. Sorry, but Wizard World. So, yeah, just we, say Wizard World and just, bring just toss it up. Wizard just toss World did not come up in the four hours we talked about <laughs> your career before. What the fuck? Why were you holding on on Wizard World? So, so yeah, we were we were um, we had to take dr- that road. We were driving um, home from Wizard World St. Louis, uh, and uh, it was shortly after the ball, wasn't it? Um, or was I think it, it was before the. I think it was shortly after Bright Winter. Okay. Um, anyway, it was it was some period where you know I was trying to come up with some big project that I wanted to do for um, uh, for Ingenuity Fest at the end of September, and I'd had lots of ideas that I'd tossed out and I'd like you know done some renderings for and written up proposals for, and I wasn't really sold on any of them. They didn't quite feel like they had the right mix of things. Um, they were interesting, but just I I wasn't ready to be like this is this is what I want to put the time into. Um, and so we were sort of bouncing ideas back and forth and, and Amanda asked me what, um, you know, what, what I was hoping to accomplish. And I think I said that I had like three main, Mm -hmm. uh, characteristics that I, I wanted the project to have. I wanted it to be, um, interactive, collaborative, and I wanted it to create sound, um, and so, you know, having people working together to create some kind of audio experience. Uh, and so we were bouncing things back and forth and uh, talking about the concept, uh, the, the, the big idea for, uh, for Ingenuity Fest this year is dreamscapes. And so we were talking about dreamscapes, landscapes, this, that, and she threw out the word Zen Garden. Um, and, and the light just went. <laughs> if if there had been a light bulb above my head, it would have it would have turned on at that moment. Now I've um, seen Zen Gardens usually as like novelty desk mm-hmm. things. What uh, do you have a deeper knowledge of reference of Zen Garden for me and anyone else who's listening and interested? Yeah. I think she might be able to yeah. provide maybe, some context. Maybe a little bit. Um, so I actually spent most of my education and most of my life studying Asian religions and Asian culture around their religious beliefs and practices or spirituality rather is a better word. There is no there is no word in like Chinese or Japanese for religion. It's just teachings. Um, and one of the, while I, while I focus more on Buddhism myself, one of the most fascinating things when I was studying all of this is in Japan, how they talk about this Shinto Buddhist syncretism, where there's a fusion of two different th- schools of thought that have come together as the culture has developed. And the, the Zen garden is, is a, kind of the fusion of traditional Japanese Shintoism with the Buddhism that was brought into Japan later. So Shintoism is very nature-based. It's all about the kami, which are the nature spirits. Um, You may be familiar with the Tori gates, the big um, two-posted Tori Mm. gates with the two uh, posts going across them. These were used to designate where there was something special. It doesn't really have to mean anything other than somebody walked there and thought it was special. Maybe a big rock or a cool view across the ocean or any kind of natural phenomenon that struck someone as feeling larger than oh, that's human. beautiful. It's it's really quite a touching idea that you know if you walk through a particular part of a forest and it just you get that shiver up your spine. 
the thought is that there is some kind of ethereal presence there and you should mark it out either with a shimenoa, which is a rope that designates the uh, the sacred area or with the Tory gates um, to show people that, hey, I saw something special here. Maybe you'll feel something special here, too. So the Zen garden takes that kind of naturalistic focus by taking sand and rocks and surrounding it with trees and, and garden elements um, and fuses it with Zen Buddhism. And Zen Buddhism came over from uh, came over from Korea, actually, um, China up through Korea and then into Japan when it first came came across. And the Buddhist the Zen Buddhist idea is that enlightenment can hit you in an instant at any time out of nowhere. But you can help it along by being still and focusing and being open to this sensation that can come to you. There's a really famous, it's a Chinese painting, but it's a very famous painting called uh, uh, Hui Nung, the Sixth Chan Patriarch, Chopping Bamboo at the Moment of Enlightenment. Uh, Chan is the, the Chinese version of Zen. They weren't much for short uh, short titles for their pieces of art. <laughs> and it's yeah, it was a very utilitarian about their titles. Want, well, just in case you're not sure what you're looking at, they want to make sure you're absolutely. But certain. then, like we, you know, like the 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 whatever you call the West, like they can't say shit with the way uh, musicians titled works. <laughs> like the way you had to like memorize the number in, of the symphony or whatever, like for like Bach and Beethoven a lot. Yeah, but there's none of this. Like this piece is open for interpretation. Like. No, you know what exactly yeah. what it is. Like is what the, it way, the way my kids would go, what no uh, Beethoven's number? What is it? The ninth. <laughs> it was like bad guys coming. Or, da, 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 yep. da. <laughs> I was in. A, it's in our favorite movie, um, right? Uh, Mystery Men. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, so they had this yeah. this moment of enlightenment. This, this this image of this this um, this monk chopping bamboo, and it's it's literally just that he was he was focused on. The sound of his axe hitting the base of the bamboo, that was all he was thinking about, and that was the moment that enlightenment struck him. All on, fully in the face, all at once. Bam, Doing a mundane task. You're enlightened. And it's all, and, and you'll hear of us um, maybe with Tantra, Tantric Buddhism as well, um, which some people will confuse with, you know, Tantra means sexual Buddhism. No, not at all. Tantra is not about sex. Mm. It's about the no same matter what kind of Sting thing. tries to tell you. <laughs> it's all about <laughs> Tantra, baby. <laughs> it's all about finding that moment where you're in in perfect harmony with the moment around you and with the things around you, and the energy that surrounds and makes up the universe. I feel like I'm talking about the force. It surrounds us, it penetrates us. <laughs> well, it I mean, you're not talking together. about Let's tiny little bugs <laughs> inside our blood, though. No, so. it's not the midi chlorians. Let's have another conversation <laughs> about midi chlorians because. I could change your, everyone's opinion on this midichlorian <laughs> issue that no one seems to like, but that's an, that's for another I day. Am, I don't think I'm ever want to take this podcast anywhere think near Star of Wars. I don't. As a measure it's of how religiously well. spiritual you are. See, oh, okay, using the vocabulary, the terrible vocabulary of the Phantom Menace to make a yeah, I, yes. I get that. Now, for me, I have a slightly different take on the midichlorians, which is I think that they are creatures that feed on force energy, and so they they do not provide the source of Marty falling asleep, man. Falling asleep, man. (laughs) (laughs) If you look into into the the books, like like the courtship of Princess Leia. (laughs) So bad. bad. If we're getting into the extended universe, (laughs) even if it was decanonized when they started making the new It's canon and it always will be to anyone who really loves the series. Just because you love Mara Jade doesn't mean it actually happens. (laughs) 
She's a great character. Um, so where where does um, Buddhism fall on the Star Wars canon? Where Buddhism and Jediism are kind of similar. I mean, George Lucas I, was heavily, heavily influenced by, by Eastern religion. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so it makes a, a lot of sense. He of Carl Jung and the archetypes that you'll see across all these different things. Literally, I've written hundreds of pages about Star Wars and religion uh, because it's a great tool for the study of religion. It really is. Yeah. Um, in fact, I remember approaches to the study of religion in college. We went, I made a big case about this midichlorians thing. So we decided to devote an entire class period to watching the movie. And we stopped it and we talked about how everything involving the Force really is a religious study. And it follows um, Frazier's The Golden Bough, the the development of these myths, superstition into myth, into religion. If you go look through all of the extended universe, we're getting off track. (laughs) I just just asked what are are Zen Gardens? I didn't know we (laughs) were going to get into the extended universe. Welcome to Star Wars. (laughs) Welcome to Amanda. (laughs) Um, So... Going back to the Buddhism thing, so it is, it's about the Zen. The Zen practice is finding that attunement with nature to be open to this moment of enlightenment. So when you have, when you have a, a Shinto-based culture, and that's what was native to to mm-hmm. Japan, and you're met with this this Zen um, the Zen idea, and you fuse those things together, you get a very quiet, nature-based, single-minded practice-focused training ground essentially a zen garden is essentially a training ground for becoming one with nature and this is done through raking the sand and seeing the ripples in the sand and meditating on how that those are the ripples of the water or of the universe or of nature and you are the one manipulating those and you sink into every crevice that's made as your rake is going through and you go around the rocks and you see and you study how nature I, I'm gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna Jurassic Park this one. No, actually, this finds a way. I've actually always been. I've been intrigued by the idea of meditation, but also uh, terrified of it because I'm such a kinetic person. I'm always like, I, like I always rec- feel like I require an excess of stimulation. Well, that's coming but, from a misunderstanding of what meditation is. No, I and I, I'm certain I don't know what I'm talking about. So I haven't <laughs> done it. But there's something about that that sounds comforting of just like an action to like here's mm-hmm. a space for an action to take to preoccupy your physical body because the idea of sitting still to me it's it's you know it's I'm not as bad as my oldest son Dominic where if I'm just like stop swinging your legs at dinner that would be impossible <laughs> much less if I tried we're gonna try and have stillness and and quiet our minds. But that's a different. It's a different school of meditation. There are the people who say, and actually, there is a branch of Zen Buddhism that does seated still meditation, and you sit as still as you can for as mm. long as you can. And if you if you seem to be straying, they come over and they whap a stick in front of you. It startles you back into the now. I, I do have the stereotype in my mind that I think I'll, it requires me to sit perfectly still, but n- not that anyone's going to punish me if I fail at this. <laughs> but a better a better take on meditation and one that's a, a lot more practical, especially in the modern era, um, and really follows so much more of, is you know, for me as having studied Buddhism so much, um, the better idea of meditation is being present in the now. So we're so inclined to have our minds wander everywhere and, and mind does it horribly all the time. Um, and actually that was one of the things that's changed since I started doing a lot of this larger scale art is I'm able to be more focused on 
what is happening now because I'm fully engrossed in that and I'm learning to focus on only what is happening at the tips of my fingers, only what is happening with the paintbrush in my hand or whatever it is. Um, and just bringing your, your focus back to whatever it is you are actively doing. You don't have to be doing nothing. What you should be doing is just staying involved in what you are active in. And that's where the, this Zen garden comes in. You're walking around, you're you know doing something with purpose and intention. And the point of the meditation is to stay focused what is that purpose? What is that intention? And you can do it with a focus on something you want to better about yourself. You can say my focus is on thinking more positively. And every time your thoughts start to stray and you see your your rake wobble in the sand, you bring your thoughts back to positivity instead of thinking about what am I going to have for dinner after this? What am I going to, you know, what's on TV tonight? Oh, is Netflix really going to take smoking out of everything but let all the rape stuff go? You know, whatever it's going to be. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight it. We're not going to talk about what that thing you just said that I didn't. So I just let my brain go on that one. I don't know where that one popped in there, but that's, you know, so that's much the kind of like thing. The, what you're talking about. I'm going to block that out. <laughs> well, that I saw something on that I today and I, I didn't think about it actively at the time and it popped up now, but I'm going to bring it back and focus back on what I'm talking about because that doesn't matter right now. What matters is that I'm sitting here. There's a big microphone in front of my face. I've got people that are amazing all around me and we're talking about amazing things that are happening in our community. Oh, you're amazing and, too, Amanda. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And we're just going to bring it back to that and talk about that. And that, that right there is a meditative practice. So doing things like playing with Zen gardens, it may be a little tiny little box of sand on your desk at work, but it's there to help you with your mindfulness. It's there to help you with learning meditation in a world that sitting still is not really a possibility and is a zen garden though in traditional like in its original setting in in uh is it actually full size though typically yes, yeah it would be a large I... garden space it would often have um like an ornamental um sculpture garden nearby is the process of setting that up part of the practice of meditation or like when i'm kind of just picturing like if i was going to create a zen garden like being mindful of like or is it more like no this is a way you set it up it's more like this is traditional well, in, in Japan, it would have been, you know, based on the space, based on where, where do you find these feelings? Where yeah. is there, um, you know, the, a, a, a modern that connects um, to the spirituality equivalent would be you find the right ley lines to put it on or something like that. If you're into that kind of spirituality stuff, um, you find the right place. And, you, and as you set it up, of course, you want to think about your intention. Why am I putting this together? Am I putting this together because I want people to come here and find their own peace and find their own enlightenment? Am I doing it for myself? Am I doing it to honor the Kami spirit that's already here so that people can feel that Kami spirit? What is the intention when you're doing it? Um, so that would definitely have been an aspect in it. I'm not entirely sure that's the common practice nowadays when you make a Zen garden in your backyard, as some people yeah, I would do. Hope so, though, that that would but, be somewhat a part of it when thinking about why I'm putting it together. Well, because you don't want to be all pissed off trying to build your <laughs> zen garden i think like, i can't a... wait till i can use this zen garden once i get all these damn sticks or, my or like why aren't there any instructions or just following a youtube video or yeah i i was i think i was being you know i was meditating on it to a degree micro i was doing a micro meditation Ooh. thinking about of like oh if i was going to make a zen garden for me that would be part of it is like yeah creating it and 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 yeah, not yeah. being agitated by the process or whatever. Like, 
getting into what your project is with mm-hmm. then how are you planning to build this out now mm-hmm. with your project if you want to get into the details and it, and it actually um you know it is a very pertinent question because it gets to the why of of what we're building you know apart from just we want to make something that's that's super cool and and uh you know, utilizes technology and fuses it with, uh, you know, with these ancient practices. Um, but it really is about creating an experience for the people that are going to be attending the festival and hopefully will be, uh, will be experiencing the Zen Soundscapes Garden um, in a different environments after the festival as well, um, which is that we want to create an immersive experience where people are able to... Um, to find some peace and some respite from the, you know, the mile a minute uh, life that we're all in the middle of. That's all, you know, notifications coming in every 15 seconds mm-hmm. on your phone. Um, and so in building it, uh, we haven't really described what the project is no, quite we yet. <laughs> we've, we've been building all this suspense. No, that's what I was going to um, get into. Like, so take me through what your plan is for me as someone who attends this and experiences this. What will I experience? So as you're approaching the installation, you will see um, a large Tory gate, um, as Amanda was describing, um, that you will pass through and go up these steps into... Um, uh, approximately 10 foot by 10 foot uh, Zen garden with we're uh, we're probably not actually going to be using sand because uh, it's coarse and it's gritty and it gets, <laughs> it gets everywhere. into everything. Going back to uh, to so I'll the, be going up 10 steps. You said uh, it'll or, be or, about three steps oh, three, up together. We yeah, will have some kind that. of a ramp as well. Yes, yeah. we want to make accessible. it accessible. Oh, I would um, expect not. I would but, expect nothing less. But it's a um, it's going to be a uh, 10 foot by 10 foot. Oh, 10 foot bed. by 10 yes. foot. That's why yeah. 10 was in like 10 um, steps. That's why <laughs> so my head got fused with 10 <laughs> steps. I'm like, this is going to be cool. What a reveal. We're building a mountain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's atop a pyramid. We're. <laughs> We're bringing in some Mayan architecture into yes. the whole thing. We're really doing the cultural fusion thing. <laughs> um, but uh, so so it's going to be this ten foot by ten foot area um, that's going to be filled with something. Uh, we actually have discovered that lentils are really really nice as a as a substance for this. They're they're comfortable to walk on, easy to manipulate on the larger scale. They feel nice um, and soft and comforting too. They really do. <laughs> Is um, this a shoes must be off thing? We haven't determined. Yeah, we haven't we haven't phones, decided that phones yet. Phones in a bucket. Phones in a bucket, I think, would be a That'd would be, be nice. a good one. The fun trick with all of this, you know, we we've got yeah. this big Zen garden, um, but it's lit from underneath. So imagine like a Saturday Night Fever style stage where you got the lighting coming from underneath. That uh, that the areas where the sand or possibly lentils um, are raked thinner, more lights coming through. Uh, and there's going to be this sculptural weeping cherry tree that arcs over the top of it that has a camera hidden in it that's pointing straight down at the uh, the mm-hmm. this field of light coming up through uh, through the sand uh, that uh, then runs through the software that my my brother Dave uh, wrote uh, that sections the the garden up into a five by five grid. And each of the uh, the horizontal rows represents one octave of the Japanese pentatonic scale, um, and each of the uh, the vertical 
um, steps uh, represents a different octave. So you have five octaves worth of the Japanese pentatonic scale, and depending on how much light is coming through from below determines the intensity, the volume of that note. So as you're grooming the, uh, grooming the sand, you're actually changing the soundscape that you're, uh, mm. um, you're existing inside. And so not only are you in this meditative practice of, you know, of moving the sand around and, and creating these designs and patterns, but you're also affecting the sonic aspects of your environment as you do that. Um, playing with it. We, we have a small tech demo that uses a, a microphone stand and a, a baking dish full of lentils and a and an LED light box underneath it. Um, but it's you know it's really easy just to um, to sit there and and you know break the lentils around for um, for tens of minutes and just sort of get lost in the sound of all of it. We had um, been worried that it was going to be like the the tone constantly playing was going to be a little bit monotonous or a little bit uh, become bothersome. But I think one of the things we've discovered with the with the actual notes in this scale is that all of them go together mm. at any time. There's there's no there's no discordant set of tones that come out of this. And even on a bass tone, if you're just left on one of them, it's pretty soothing. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the, the great things about the, uh, the Japanese pentatonic scale. Uh, if you, if you want to get an idea of the sorts of tones, try playing on just the black keys of a piano, and you'll notice no matter what you do, it somehow always sounds good together. I've it's... seen TED Talks about that, too, mm -hmm. and that um, I think it was also that a lot of um, uh, spirituals can't, we're using the black mm -hmm. keys, like Amazing Grace and things like that. Yep, and so it's that exact same set of tones that you know you can you can mash all of them at the same time and it still sounds harmonious. Mm -hmm. I learned um, that recently when trying to the boys were learning some piano and we had some simple tutorials mm -hmm. and then they, they were just using the black keys for something and I'm like ah oh, that's why that band named themselves <laughs> the black keys it sounds beautiful. Um. But yeah, so that's uh, that's the the overall idea of the project is to create this interactive light and sound Zen garden. That... Is this a, a sort of a solo experience where someone would go and have a time with it, and then the next person, or do you envision a lot of people experiencing this simultaneously? I could picture two or three at a time in there. Um, also, we're talking together. about something that will live. For an extended period of time, mm -hmm. if, not if like oh, this is here for like like the um, what they just had at the zoo, the the Asian Lantern Festival, mm -hmm. where it's like oh, it's exclusive; it's not going on forever in these limited windows. We're certainly hoping to get enough funding, get enough funding, get enough, <laughs> get enough funding. funding. <laughs> there's there's funding the necessary. The funding. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're so. coming around. There is going to be an ask, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, I believe we call that a call to you action. You let us into your call pockets. 
and we appreciate that, but we will be asking for money at some <laughs> point, like any good salesman. Of course. We do want to make sure we have materials that will hold up to, now Ingenuity Fest gets up to anywhere from twenty to 30,000 people in a weekend. We want to make it last through not only that, but taking it to other places as well, and possibly even finding uh, a semi-permanent gallery home for it, if possible. Um, it's not going to be just this one piece. We have uh, we have a large footprint of the festival space. This will be situated in that's going to be built out into more of a landscape than just the the garden itself. So we will have other pieces. Um, some of them that will be debuting um, a week before Ingenuity Fest at the Firefish Festival in Lorraine. Um, we'll have a few pieces built for that that will incorporate into um, a garden, a whole gardenscape as well as making additional pieces for Ingenuity Fest. So this is just part of a larger exhibit as well. Um, so there is a setting for it. There is a, there is an actual vibe around it of more than just, okay, you're walking from a warehouse onto the sand. You're walking from a warehouse into a garden that features this, this Zen soundscapes project along with some others. Um, and so hopefully we'll be able to relocate a lot of those pieces to other environments in different contexts. We'd really love to put it um, under the the Superior Bridge. Mm -hmm. We just saw the Squid Soup installation that was there and actually um, a, a, a sister project to the Zen Soundscapes came out of that, um, which I'll let Michael talk a little more about in a minute. Uh, but we'd love to have places all around Cuyahoga County or even beyond where we can share this this piece if we can build it with enough durable materials so that it lasts. For the, the fundraising on this, um, you are getting matching funds from, um, who is it again? Cuyahoga Arts and Culture. The Cuyahoga yep. Arts and Culture. But your deadline for that is August 1st? August 1st. So it takes a few weeks for the money to process. And we'd like to have some of the money in hand before everything's finished so we don't pay for it all out of our own pockets. <laughs> um, it, is, it, it is likely to be an expensive build uh, to do it properly with the right kind of flooring that's going to stand up to you know, sand or lentils or whatever it is that's over it being trod upon and raked through by thousands of people. Uh, we need to have the highest quality polymers and things like that to keep these pieces intact so we can have, so we can keep doing it. Um, so we're looking for, um, right now, our, our funding goal is set at about $10,000. Um, but it's not it's not as scary as everyone needs to pay us $10,000. Uh, we have received from the Cuyahoga um, Arts and Culture Fund a donation match, a one-to-one -one donation match up to $5,000. So we are looking for $5,000 worth of funding that will also be matched by $5,000 worth of funding. And as of driving here, uh, we are halfway there. Mm -hmm. So we are at 5,000 of our total 10,000 budget, which means our 10,000 intended budget. We still need another, that means we need another 2,500 donated um, to be matched by this fund. This is a really cool opportunity to be able to, to stretch our, our money. We've both mm -hmm. put in um, you know, some of our contributions to this. And anyone who's willing to help out, your dollar goes twice as far thanks to these matching funds, which makes programming like this possible. And you're using a, a platform I haven't heard of before, mm -hmm. right? IOB. Yeah, IOBY standing for in our backyard. It's a um, it's similar to you know <laughs> Indiegogo or Kickstarter or any of those, um, but with a focus on you know arts and culture related projects. And uh, 
they're I, I believe they're working in in cities all over the country. Yes, they're um, based out of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was looking the other day through projects um, that are posted on their di- different cities and areas that have projects posted for funding, Cleveland is second biggest, I believe, after um, Brooklyn. So. We have a pretty strong following here. We have some really great. That's Deb and I, by the way. We lived in Brooklyn. Now we're in Cleveland. You know. That's why it happens. That's why. Pretty much. That's that's what we leave away. Y'all brought the culture. Great backyard projects. But but yeah, it's it's um you know there's there's a little bit of a difference between uh, between Kickstarter and Indiegogo in that we actually met with with someone locally about the project so we could um, you know discuss what our goals were um, and to get approved for the the matching funds. So are they are they they curate sort of like matching up a grant with Mm -hmm. a project? Yes. And there oh, are, that's there interesting. Are that's are, a different hook from right. Indiegogo and, and exactly. There platforms. are people able to just use the platform as just a straight up yeah. crowdfunding site, uh, but this this feature of having you know local, locally based arts funds that will partner with them to do this matching and one to one is an amazing thing. I mean, there's a lot of places that'll do you know one dollar for every five dollars or things like that. This is one to one. This means every single penny counts twice. And that's a really a powerful combination of things when you have people who are personally invested in the projects that are coming in and want to sit down with people like us and say, where is this coming from? Why are you doing this? And how can we help? And not just having that, but having um, the so the amount, the total amount of funding they have per year for this to to you know co-fund p- projects is fifty thousand dollars. That's a lot of money behind them to say we're going to go out there and see where this money can make incredible things happen. So that's a, a pretty unique feature that you won't find. I don't think on any other platform. Uh, and we're really fortunate enough to have a, a good office for that here in Cleveland. Yeah, um, Dawn Arrington, who we met from uh, from IOBY, was absolutely wonderful. She's also um, involved in organization of Larchmere Porch Fest, which is a, a great local event as well. We so. crashed that. <laughs> we, went, we were one of the rogue porches. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> oh, and. And you said there was a sister project sort of attached to this? Is so, it attached um, to it in funding or just it's per, you're, something we, you're going to be doing alongside it? If we happen to get enough funding, we'd like to do it for this as well. Um, we do also have a couple of grant applications out that were um, submitted before we, we were invited to the um, IOBY platform. Uh, so we do have some possible outstanding funding, but you know, money that's put into the fundraiser now, we don't have to hit our goal. We get every dollar that's put in and every dollar that's matched. So that's the you know that's money. So it's in not the a five thousand right dollar or nothing. Right. So right. That's really good. So we get what right. we get now, but uh, you know, waiting on grants where we may not hear back until uh, well, one of them we hear back I think next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one we'll hear back from uh, sometime in August, which is kind of you know cutting it close as far as upfront funding. Um, those are not certain, not sure things. So we're kind of hoping that we end up getting those as well. And if we do, um, we've come up with a secondary, well, Michael came up with a secondary project. Um, all I did was name it, uh, <laughs> um, that will be, uh, an interesting companion so that this Zen soundscapes turns light into sound. Um, but there's another, uh, another project where we'd be going the other direction, turning sound into light. And I'll let Michael talk about that one. Um, so... I became not not long ago. I became fascinated with the idea of uh, of synesthesia, 
Um, and you know, uh, if you're not familiar with uh, with the idea, it's where um, someone's brain uh, conflates two of the senses in unusual ways. Like certain sounds will conjure a color. Right. Exactly. So, and that's that's a the, color might conjure a sound. Right. So, yeah. um, I believe it's chromesthesia is yes. the uh, is the one specifically that that I've become fascinated with, which is exactly what you mentioned, where sounds uh, trigger the sensation of seeing a color. Um, and so uh, this would be the first in a series called Simulated Synesthesia because I do not have synesthesia and I kind of wish I did because it sounds... Do you know anyone who does? Yes. Um, Michael Hornsby. Michael Hornsby of oh. Horizon Lights <laughs> So is he going to be your like, all right, I'm going to play this tone, tell me what color you see and then match that? So he's actually for the uh, um, for this project that we're, we're hoping that we can do in addition to the, the Zen Soundscapes, um, he would be the software engineer for it. So as someone who experiences chromesthesia, he'd have a... Um, uh, you know, a special insight into what it's actually like. Cool. Um, and this project would have uh, essentially two isolation boxes that are uh, that people walk into. Cleverly and, disguised as Japanese phone booths. Which, Japanese phone booths, you should Google them. They look super cool. They're neat. Oh, um, I'm excited. Uh, but there would be these strands of LED lights that arc between the two of them. And based on the sounds that you make inside the boxes, there would be these, you know, these lights that shoot across um, to the other box. And so the only way that the person in each box can, can quote unquote hear what the other person is saying is by the light that comes through and it would be affected by the volume and the, the timbre and the, the tone of the voice, what lights are, are showing up. Ooh. But people on the outside would see these streams of light flying back and forth between the two, uh, the two isolation booths. We call it a conversation. Yes. You should make it big enough too that you can fit like, um, you know, musicians could just go in there and play. <laughs> I mean, that's, you can imagine how cool that would be. At least tell to Kate have... Hart to go in there with her ukulele. I want to see what <laughs> Well, the hope like. is to do a whole series of these. The mm -hmm. simulated synesthesia is a, is hopefully going to be an ongoing project mm -hmm. with different types of installations coming up. And that's actually a, possibly a really good idea mm -hmm. to have a simulated synesthesia concert. Well, if you take the software the and the apparatus, right? Yeah. You so once once we have the, the, the technology, we can you know we can take the those sensors and the way they affect the lights and put them in different environments um, and and different contexts and come to a manor show where you can't hear anything but it's just <laughs> lights everywhere. Yeah. So so yeah, that's that's the uh, the sort of sister project. That so the big call to action for you guys, um, I can I will put a link on the website for uh, the podcast bzdug.com. Where else uh, can people go? If, um, they want to find this. Do you have like a short link or just make sure we have something wherever we share this? Uh, we can certainly set up a short link. We have not made one of those yet, and we yeah. should. Um, but if you go on IOBY.com and search for Zen Soundscapes, it'll show right up. Okay, IOBY.com, search for Zen Soundscapes. That's Perfect. correct. That's what we're looking for. Yep. Um, and then and if you do check that out, you'll be able to see a couple of the concept drawings to mm -hmm. kind of contextualize all the stuff you're hearing about into what is this really going to look like? Yep. What is mm -hmm. this really going to feel like? Um, we do have, I don't think I've posted them yet, but I will put up the pictures of the, um, the demos 
for the light box and how that's the technology is going to work. And we are also working on a video of the technology demo so you can see and hear what to expect. Or you could just throw some money at us and go into the project blind on at, at Ingenuity <laughs> Fest and just see it for the first time there. Yeah. And or, also throughout uh, throughout yes. the um, you know the months leading up to Ingenuity Fest, which is only about two now, right? It's coming up quick. Uh, every every Thursday, again, we're having engineers, and there will be community workshops where people will be able to come in and help build this and and all of the other projects that uh, um, that are being worked on in house for, for. Yeah, we're spending Ingenuity a lot of time Fest. talking about our thing, but we we will have a, a small footprint. In a like I said, the main room is forty thousand square feet. We aren't even going to be in that. There's um, an entire warehouse complex, inside and out, taken over by all the best creators in town. I think I need to plan on having. Um, I need to do this more with the podcast. Just sort of like forecast, like oh, that's coming up. I'll just have Ingenuity Month and just feature. There's there's uh, easily plenty of easily lots of people enough I can that just you can do that. to talk about their work. There are I think six different stages of music yep. that are going oh, to be yeah. happening there. Um, it's an incredible. I've, yeah, from what I experienced, I saw it was yeah, it was bright winter and that was. That place is, is mind blowing, and um, I'm I'm so glad uh, you guys are doing what you're doing, and uh, I wanted to make sure to just like for whatever I have, whatever audience I have, like support what you're doing for all the work you're putting into the community, and how much uh, I see how much time you put into that. Like I said, Manor Fest, <laughs> that alone, <laughs> like you know, oh, I'm down Fest. to like plug anything you pull off after the feat uh, that was. Oh, we're, Maybe we'll we're, have a post-mortem on that or something. But. We're so appreciative of, of everything Absolutely. that you do, and, and uh, you know, thank you again for your part in Manor Fest and making that such an amazing experience. Oh, and I do want to apologize to anyone who downloaded that episode the week early i edited that probably very late and there was one or two spots where i just messed up the volume so i think it was a uh, googie set went from like you know a normal volume and he just got quieter and quieter and quieter because like my finger just clicked a button that dropped the level or something at that it made a point it messed up the sound envelope and i and cory michaels too so i have fixed that if you go re-download the manifest episode just make sure been... you come to manifest next year mm -hmm. yes just hear it live Oh, yeah. And if you are a Patreon you, uh, member, you can get all 14 hours of my live recording of Manifest. 14 if that's hours thing. Uh Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to some of that. I was on the grill for a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I did not listen to all. I was there for almost all of uh, Friday night. Um, but, um, yeah, so anyone who's come this far, um, thank you for listening. Uh, normally, we break things up with music or bow out, but... Um, if there's, is there anything else you want to tack on before we roll out? I could say a million things, but really just give us some money. So yes, give them things. money. And then come enjoy the cool things. We're not doing a cool thing for us. We're doing, a, we're doing a Think cool thing for you. When you, when you. If you give money to this thing and you show up and you see it, you get to like be like, yeah, I paid for a paintbrush. Because I like how you have it broken down. Like, it. yeah, yeah, you paid the person who painted it. Yeah, mm -hmm. come and paint it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I absolutely. love it. I love it. I love what you guys do. Thank you so much, Michael and Amanda. Oh, thank you so thank much you. for having us. Cue soft ex exit music. <laughs>